Welcome everyone to today's daily directional. These are navigational messages that help keep us pointed in the right direction. I'm Pastor Bethany, and I'm a learner, listener, and noticer of God. This podcast is a part of the Storytellers Collective. You can find us online at www.storytellerscollective.org. Hello, friends. We are going to spend this day back in Exodus chapter 16 again. And today I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read most of the chapter, although I'll probably skip a few verses here and there just to get us through it fairly quickly. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this and see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening, you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them, Do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. 
but by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need, and as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts, for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots and odor. Moses said, eat this food today for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day. So there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. The Israelites called the food manna. It was like white coriander seed, and it tasted like honey wafers. I believe that this story asks us to show up, to look towards the glory of the Lord and see what it is that he will do, to know that he hears us, whether we are complaining or living in a way that is righteous and holy and content, that he asks us to follow his directions and to trust him with all the parts and pieces of our lives, to know that he will bring us, give us, gift us enough. One of the things that this story highlights about God and about the kingdom is that he has eliminated competition, competence, ability, and human willpower. Now, what do I mean by that? I think that the kingdom has this incredible equalizing power. In Galatians, Paul tells us that in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. But they, we're all equal in him. We're all children it's one of the reasons why I believe that as we read the word and it talks about being sons of God, being heirs to the kingdom, that even me as a female, I can take hold of that promise, of that inheritance. I'm a part of the family as an heir as well, because when it comes to heaven and eternity and life with God, he is not looking at my femaleness exactly. It matters in this life, in this place, in conjunction with men to show forth together the whole of humanity as much as we can to reflect God's image, the Imago Dei. But when it comes to eternity, my soul is saved and given an inheritance regardless of my gender. 
We're also given provision and this inheritance. We're saved. We're set free. We become a part of God's family, regardless of how smart we are or how much we can do and accomplish, how many skills and talents we have. God's not looking to that. He promises to provide enough for each of us every day just because. And it doesn't hinge on how much you can go out and gather. Because when you get to the end of the day, if you worked hard and you gathered a lot, well, it's enough. And if you really couldn't handle that and you didn't gather a lot, well, it's enough. Doing nothing, like not getting out of the tent and not going to gather at all, reaps nothing. But here's the thing, overachieving doesn't get you ahead in God's economy. God loves us, provides for us, and considers us equal. He generously gives us enough for today, but we have to head back out into the field for tomorrow's portion. There is a parable in the New Testament, I believe it's in Matthew, where Jesus talks about a wealthy landowner who goes out into the city square and he hires some workers. He goes out early in the morning and he hires workers for the day. They agree to a wage. They go off to his fields. They begin to work. Well, that same landowner goes back into the square at midday and notices that there are still workers who haven't been hired for the day. And so he asks if they would like work and he hires them. They agree to the wage that he has offered and they head off into the fields to work. Well, then just an hour before the end of the workday, he goes back in and he sees that there are still more who haven't been hired. He asks if they would like to work and they say yes and work for about an hour that day. And at the end of the day, he calls everyone to him. And he goes backwards through these workers and first pays those who only worked an hour a full day's wage. Does the same for those who came at midday and then for those who came early in the morning and worked all day. Those workers are frustrated because those who didn't work as long or as hard got paid the same. And that landowner asks something like, what is it to you if I want to pay them the full day's wage? I think there's a lot in this parable for us to learn and to connect with the story in Exodus because we really think as people that there are certain things that we deserve for our hard work and our efforts, for our abilities, for what we do, whether that's for ourselves, for our culture, for business, for our families, or for God. God really wants us to understand that the provisions given to us for our lives come from him and are gifts from him. And he can give to whomever he pleases as much as he pleases. When it comes down to it, we just have to trust that we will have enough. Our efforts can't earn us extra in God's kingdom. God wants us to show up at his holy mountain at his house, and he wants us to say that we are ready to serve him. He wants us to recognize that our service unto him is worship, and it marks us as a part of his family, and that he provides for his family, and he always will. We don't have to store it up. We don't have to stockpile. We don't have to get ahead. We don't have to go out and work and think, hmm, if I come back to my tent 
and I have some extra, maybe I could sell it to so-and-so and I could continue to get even further ahead. God wants us to be diligent for six days, to apply ourselves to show up, to work, to trust him. But then he puts together this idea of the Sabbath. Or did you notice that on that sixth day, they didn't work any harder. They just got to the end of the day and realized that God had provided twice as much as normal. And in that provision, it meant that they didn't have to go out and gather the following day. They got to rest. And he tells them it's a gift. Now, I've practiced Sabbath for the last couple of years. Now, I choose to do it on Saturdays because for a long time I was working on Sundays and it couldn't be full rest. So I would begin it on Friday night, take it all the way through Saturday. And when the sun went down on Saturday night, I had a little bit of leeway. I found a lot of times I trusted the Lord enough and would lean into asking him whether or not something needed to be done. And it was nice to have the flexibility that I could do something Saturday night if I really needed to. But in lots of ways, it was a learning to distrust that Sunday was coming and that he was going to take care of it. Well, being diligent for six days and resting on the seventh is a very, very powerful reset. It reminds us weekly every single week that our well-being has nothing to do with us and our efforts, and it has everything to do with our big, powerful, and generous God. There is an image in Psalm 131, uh, maybe it's 134, that David uses talking about being a weaned child sitting on his mother's lap. I think of being that way on the Sabbath with the Lord, sitting with our God, with our parent, and knowing we have everything we need, being filled up and full up without having done anything, and then leaning back into their warmth, into their security, into this space of contentment and peace. When I was in grad school and I began practicing Sabbath, I was incredibly overwhelmed, tired, I was sick, I was overworked, and the truth is when the idea of taking a Sabbath came around, it felt completely wrong, like 100% wrong. It felt like stopping working for 24 hours when what I really needed was more time <laughs> to finish all of the things was the wrong response. But God showed up in the middle and he showed me a new and a better way. God had called me to all of the things during that season that I was doing, to school, to ministry, and to my family. And what he was asking was for me to trust him that the calls that I had in all of those places were from him so he would provide me with enough in all of those areas. And the thing that was incredible and miraculous is that he did. I could stop. I did stop. I learned to stop. And... When I'd get back to work after that day off, I really every single time would find myself further ahead than I thought I had been before. And that time always realigned my heart back to a space of recognizing I'm not just out to consume things. I'm not just out to achieve and I'm not just out to get ahead. It realigned me in a space of humility to recognize again that I don't toil with my energy alone, but with God's, with the Holy Spirit's power working through me. 
it was a lot of moments where I could sit and breathe and stare at the mountains and remember God is God and I am not. And I suppose that sounds really arrogant. I, I don't ever really consciously think I am God, but you know, I act like it sometimes. <laughs> like my meager efforts at anything really count for something. I truly believe that each one of us needs this kind of reminder every single week. Otherwise we get vain, we get arrogant, we get self-righteous, and we end up burnt out. Now the enemy wants us to be in all of those spaces. He wants you ineffective. He wants me ineffective, but God doesn't. And the kingdom needs you at your very, very best. I'm convinced that your very best is taking the time to lean back in to the arms of our father, to trust that he's going to bring you everything that you need today, tomorrow, all the way through, even if you take a day off. So this way, God's way doesn't make sense rationally. But that's another reason why it's such a special witness. When we do things in ways that don't make a lot of sense, and yet they work, and they work supernaturally well, we have stories, we have witness, we have modeling of the way that our God is shaping our lives. Now, I do have one quick little side note. If you're going to head into this weekend and you're going to try out a Sabbath for the first time, your body might take a while to detox from all of the workaholism that we tend to have and live into in our society. Lean into it. Lean into God. Let yourself unwind. And it's okay. God is there and he will show you how to let go. It will be hard to stop. I really remember like almost physically having to stop the movement of my legs and to breathe and remember that all of my muscles could relax and to stay present with the people who were around me and the fun we were supposed to have. Not think about the to-do list that day and that time. But with practice, it becomes the most beautiful, treasured gift of a thing. Have a wonderful weekend, friends. <laughs>